the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Hopefully you're not panicked. Oh, yes, my friends. This is a good uh, day to have a live microphone and air chair to connect with you to chit-chat about money and investing in more. Why do I say that? Because it's looking like last week's correction, which turned into a buy the dip, was a sign of the volatility. Remember how last week I said, do you remember those perfect spring days or summer days where you're outside tossing football with your son and then it gets a little windy and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Next thing you you see some clouds. Down the road you hear some thunder. That may be what we're going through. The coming storm. You can't see it. You can't feel it. But slowly but surely, it creeps up on you, and you can. And it's a little bit dangerous in the short term. Um, all the stocks that I own, they're all in the red. All the indices out there that I can see, all in the red. S&P, Dow, NASDAQ, Russell, all 1.5 to 2% lower. Gold is higher. Remember that. Crude oil is lower. Lower oil, on a day-by-day basis, you could say maybe that's tied towards expectations of global growth, i.e., if we're flying around the country, we're going on vacation, we're spending money. If we're flying around the country, we're going on business trips, we're, we're spending money. So when oil pulls back, it is a no-no. It is a sign that things are not great. Ten-year treasury sits 1.64%. No big story there. Remember I told you, remember about gold going up? Bitcoin's going down. And that's fascinating. Bitcoin's down 20% today. It's been as down as much as 30% today. This is why you need to have a clear understanding on why you own, a, own something. That's a rough day. Is it too rough for you? I would certainly understand if you think it is. But it comes with the territory. I've been talking about it for the better part of a week or two that anytime something runs up that far, you, you can call it a hypergrowth. And hypergrowth tends to correct much, much more than income. I look at four categories hypergrowth, growth, growth and income, and income. I tend to classify my stocks and my indexes that are income as conservative or safer. Underline the word safer is. A compliance term that'll freak lawyers out because what's that mean? I thought safe meant zero percent down. Safe can mean five percent to ten percent to some people. But Bitcoin is getting shellacked, and the jump the shark moment may have been the court scene on Saturday Night Live, where Elon Musk played a video game character, kind of in the world of Mario and digital coins. Or you could just say it was Elon Musk on 
Saturday Night Live pumping Dogecoin a couple different times in a couple different ways, but ultimately referring to it as a racket. Wow. A lot of red out there today. How do you feel? You get enough oxygen, you need to put your head between your legs, you need to put a, a bag and inflate it and deflate it. We'll talk about Bitcoin as the show goes on. I'm 100% positive of that. But global stocks are getting routed again. Uh, not again today. Global stocks are getting routed. Ahead of the Fed minutes. Uh-oh. Now, so far, we've counted on the Federal Reserve, the United States government, to come out and say, yeah, we expect inflation. We expect it to be small. We expect it to be short-term. And then we expect it to abate. And we're going to keep interest rates low until at least 2024. Now, recently, they've started saying, well, we're going to look at the data, but we still kind of have those ideas. Now, the data may be coming up as there's too much inflation. And I think this kind of all started in everyone's heads when Warren Buffett said it on his big weekend two weekends ago, three weekends ago. The minutes of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting of April 27, 28 will be released late today. Late today in market terms. It's uh, typically about 1 o'clock. So that'll translate it to about 10 o'clock our time, uh, Pacific time. And we'll, we'll, we'll look for changes in investment policy. This is how, how freaking fracking crazy my job is. Changes in language. Like the Fed Reserve minutes may say, well, we're starting to see inflation across the board and we're a little concerned. Versus we're seeing inflation across the board and we think it's going to abate. Concerned, abate, two very different thoughts there. The People's Bank of China warned that digital currencies can't be used as payments. This is the issue on Bitcoin. If it's non-trackable, how does the United States government get their fair share if a rich person transfers all of their millions and millions and millions and billions and billions and billions of dollars into Bitcoin and then starts buying yachts with Bitcoin or Teslas with a Bitcoin? Now, again, there's going to be some ledgers. But we don't have a real good system right now. And what we do know is that terrorists, hackers, so far criminal, criminal syndicates are reaping a, a huge fortune because it's not traceable. One of its most compelling features is one of its biggest downfalls to government. And if the government can't get their fair share and transact big global business internationally with it, it's going to be a problem. I think if you were the Saudis and you took payment in Bitcoin, and then today you see your Bitcoin, what you just sold, sold oil for, 30% higher, it's now 30% lower. Uh-oh. Someone's going to get fired. Other stories of note out there today. The UK data showed consumer prices rose 1.5%, twice the rate of inflation reported in March. So the UK, those people with their other badge, hey, I think they talk like the Queen of England. Oh, the Queen of England. So Ross stores is down 1.9% after getting upgraded to buy from neutral. I'm okay with Ross. I've in the past had other plays that I, I care more about. TJ Maxx. If you were to say you have to buy a retail stock, TJ Maxx is probably going to be it. 
Wells Fargo down two and a half percent after getting downgraded today to neutral from buy. Salesforce is up after getting upgraded to overweight. No big stories there, right? Tech names are under pressure with heavily weighted semiconductor equipment provider ASM lithography, ASML. Dropping 2%. Big software maker SAP down 1.4%. There's talks. Hmm. I saw a little bit more data about trying to get rid of all gasoline-powered cars by 2035, 2037. And in hindsight, that's kind of where Gavin Newsom's aiming, right? Can you imagine a world with a ga- without combustion engines? Now, again, they're going to be around for probably another 100-plus years, but we're really moving that direction. So today is a good day to start having your shopping list put together. I've started putting mine together in the last two weeks as I've seen more volatility creep into the market, i.e. changing of the seasons, if we could oversimplify it. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. If your portfolio is in need of professional attention, you can always find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. These down days, that's when you need a professional. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Hopefully you have your morning coffee all ready to go. NASDAQ lower, S&P lower, Dow lower, Bitcoin lower, 10-year treasury lower, AMC higher. <laughs> Uh, and I don't think there's a great future for AMC at this point in time, financially speaking. Do I think we'll still be going to movie theaters on the day I die? Maybe. Yes, I'm going with that fine. But financially, would I invest in that? No. Okay. The IEA yesterday, I hinted at this a little bit earlier, released a major report urging countries to go out and basically aim for 2050 climate goals. 2050 seems a long way off. The 2015 Paris Agreement set a 2050 deadline to reach net zero emissions to try to stop the planet from warming, which, again, I don't know if you believe in. I don't know if you don't. The IEA wants to block new investments in oil and gas fields starting next year. So to me, I don't see oil and gas ever getting cheaper, cheaper, cheaper based on we're not going to be building new oil and gas fields. We're not going to be looking for them. We're not going to be building them. So we're not going to look for more supply until maybe we run out of sunlight or we need to go back to gas. I don't know. Do you see how your mind has to work in this? And then you're like, well, if we end all gas cars by 2035, well, the price of gas is going to go down. But then we're not going to start looking for it anymore. Ending the sale of internal combustion engine powered cars by 2035, quadrupling the amount of new solar and wind capacity that is added annually by 2040. There's a lot of investment angles in this, and you may go, I don't believe factories are hurting the planet, or I do believe factories are hurting the planet. I don't care your opinion. I have mine. I'm comfortable with it. I can tell you quadrupling the amount of new solar and wind energy means dollars going into investments. And I can see blocking new investments in oil and gas fields, even if that's partially done, even a quarter done, 
if it's fully implemented, you don't want to be in a company like Baker Hughes, which is in the business of going out and finding oil and gas in the short term. Interesting that the IEA, the International Energy Agency, was set up way back, 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 back in the 1970s to help keep oil supplies stable and affordable. Now it looks like they're trying to end oil. And again, that's not going to happen. Too much of our economy, too much of our industrial equipment has oil needs. Some countries have taken big steps. Denmark pledged to end a new fossil fuel exploration. UK is phasing out new sales of gas-powered vehicles. So again, there is already some data out there that we're doing this. And down the road, if you think taxing cigarettes, taxing soda, taxing marijuana, if you don't think that's like the easiest part of politicians' jobs, you don't think my kids will say tax gasoline cars? Hell yeah, they will. Because they'll only be driving EVs their whole life. And people who drive gasoline-powered cars will be like smokers. You're going to pay more tax. Just my opinion. Consult worker is a pretty good action on these talks ever mentioned on the show. Other stories of note out there. Google has introduced some new features in their operating system along the lines of more privacy. That feels kind of nice. That even Google and Apple are both saying, let's let's try to protect data a little bit better. Even though Facebook's screaming like a six-year-old kid, I want my bottle, I want my bottle. Google's dropping a few billion on a first-ever commercial-grade quantum computer by 2029. It could solve complex problems like creating a low CO2 fertilizer alternative. Millions of times faster than a conventional computer. I remember that they... Uh, Probably about six, 15, 17 years ago, Google was announcing artificial intelligence semiconductors, which were different than CPUs or GPUs. They, they're still working on those chips, and they're still improving them. And when you start thinking about like a different type of fertilizer, um, fertilizer is filled with cow manure. Cow manure tends to eat up ozone. That's the basic premise of this conversation. And fertilizer seems to be a bit of a problem in areas like deserts. Um, there's a large part of our population that eats food, like all of it. There's a large part of the world population that eats food, like all of it. And a lot of our food is grown in the ground, and the ground needs nutrition, fertilizer. So it's a big problem to solve. Or it's a big problem to help contribute things to, positive things positive change. Fewer than 14% of U.S. restaurants have closed permanently or long-term due to COVID, far lower than the initial projections of about 33%. A lot of people are being faced with the challenge of going back to work right now. And it's interesting. Uh, we're kind of learning a lot of 21 to 35-year-olds don't want to go back to work in the office, not necessarily because they're afraid of getting COVID, not necessarily because they're afraid of going to the office, but because of the commute. Huh. Interesting. No. So MGM and Jeff Bezos 
Oh, I saw what is, you know, you see some of these uh, memes, some of the photos that are altered ever so slightly. So you get the joke instantly. They've put, they've taken the Metro Goldwyn mayor lion out of the logo and put Jeff Bezos' bald head laughing (laughs) in the middle of it. And I kind of like it. If I were to watch a James Bond movie and instead of seeing the line, I see Jeff Bezos laughing in the middle of that logo, it would probably make me pee my pants. How do you feel about Jeff Bezos getting all the Bond films? I'm not a Bond film kind of guy. I think I was fascinated when I was 10 or 11 and I might have seen one or two of them. And there was kissing and there was scantily clad ladies and cool dudes and I wanted to be a cool dude and hang out with scantily clad ladies and there was gadgets and who doesn't love gadgets? Okay, it doesn't really work for me either, right? So I want to look at the markets a little bit more today because the Bitcoin down 30% in one day, that's what I'm market watching. One of the things I'm looking for is to see the Dow go down 800 and then it's down 600, then it's down 500, then it's down 400, then it's down 300, then it's down 200. I'm looking for that, like, when are the buyers coming in? So far, I don't see the buyers coming in. Maybe a little bit of shopping in the NASDAQ, but not much. The Russell 2000 is hitting new lows as the day goes on. The Dow is hitting new lows as the day goes on. The SP 500 is hitting new days. The low goes on. NASDAQ's holding up. Um, it's lower, but it's kind of going sideways to slightly higher. Now, one thing I want to mention is, I own a company called Apple, and I'm watching very closely the 118 to 120 level as, whoa, we're going lower. Or do we hold? I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial money, investing, and more. The winds have been shifting this year, which is odd because it kind of started in February, March, maybe, where we're starting to worry a little bit more about inflation. That's a big story on Wall Street. Inflation is kind of the boogeyman. It's probably worse than missing earnings. It's probably worse than missing sales. It's something that means higher prices. Higher prices means less cash in our pocket, less cash in businesses' pockets. And it's just kind of inefficient, so to speak. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare. Let's get his market perspective on what he's seen in the markets. I monopolized a lot of the time last Wednesday with Patrick O'Hare, so I'm going to let him run with it today. Mr. O'Hare, what are you seeing in the markets, and what should we be talking about? Author of page one at briefing.com. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, well, in, in a very... Uh, uh, probably the most myopic viewpoint possible today. Uh, you're seeing just sort of a gentle de-risking in the market uh, taking place. Uh, you know, some of that is born out of uh, the, the the crash, if you will, that's taking place in the cryptocurrency market. Um, you know, while there's not, I would say, direct correlation, there is some, some causal relation there in that uh, when you see 30 to 40% 
50% sell-offs in some of those cryptocurrencies. It just kind of serves as a reminder to uh, to stock market participants that if they've been sitting on big gains and um, uh, that, you know, might be worth taking some money off the table at this point as we look ahead now from a more intermediate term to longer term viewpoint and see a potential future that uh, involves higher interest rates, uh, possibly higher inflation, and uh, and possibly higher tax rates uh, that effectively should make the markets climb more difficult than it has been. And I think that that's the adjustment factor that's leading to some of the volatility we've seen of late here in the stock market is that uh, a lot of people recognize, or are beginning to recognize anyway, that the uh, the easy money off of the recovery effort has, has been made. And now there's uh, uh, potential consequences related to the stimulus spending that uh, will likely make it more challenging for the stock market to uh, to move up in the same easygoing fashion that it's that it's moved for the better part of the last year, and uh, and so uh, so there's not the, that willingness to pay up for every dollar of earnings or that willingness to pay up for every dollar of sales just isn't uh, as willing as it used to be, and there's a little bit more deliberation now as it relates to valuations. In this day and age of everyone has a video camera and everyone's being videotaped, you are you a little bit worried that we're making kind of definitive statements here that higher interest rates, higher inflation, higher tax rates are headwinds for the market? We're not saying they're bad for the market. We're saying they're headwinds. Are you a little worried that by the end of the day, the markets could be closed even higher and like, yeah. uh, that commentary needs to be flushed? Well, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, because here's. Here's another factor, right? Today is that so you've seen the S&P 500 take out its 50-day moving average, and I'm not a uh, not a technical analyst, I need to say that, uh, but I I am a, an observer of the markets, and you can see uh, that you know whenever there's been a violation of that uh, that support level, uh, it tends to draw out you know the buy on the dip crowd, and it's been successfully defended on a number of attempts here, and. Um, and so there is that sure there is that that rebound potential, and um, um, I'm not so naive as to think that uh, that that couldn't happen. Uh, but uh, keeping the bigger picture in in mind, um, yeah. really, you know, caring so much about what does happen with the rest of today, uh, as I am with what could happen six months, twelve months down the road. And, and when I look at that horizon, you can see clouds on the horizon. Right. And uh, those clouds are interest rates, inflation and taxes. And what we don't know yet is whether they're going to turn into some real damaging storm clouds. Uh, But in any case, as we get closer to that horizon, the clouds will reduce the visibility into the earnings outlook. And that's why I'm saying that the market is, I think, is starting to anticipate that uh, that day ahead. And therefore, you're not seeing the same willingness to pay up for every dollar of earnings like we, we used like we used to. In fact, um, you know the, the uh, earnings multiple for the S&P 500 has contracted here, despite uh, a phenomenal first quarter earnings period, despite estimates uh, earnings estimates going up for the second quarter. Right. So, um, so I think it's it's just an acknowledgement here that. Um, it plays into a little bit of that peace growth mentality, 
that things are are still pretty darn good. They're going to get a little bit better in the in the second quarter, but that might be as good as they get, and therefore um, the proving ground becomes a little bit uh, more difficult to, to travel than it has been up to this point. I was trying to put together notes for the show today, and then Bitcoin tanked and kind of took over my note writing process. One of the notes I was putting down was something along the lines of, um, you, you've, you've summed it up beautifully with the storm. You're saying a year away. I'm saying I'm using the analogy of a dad playing football with his kid during the summer, and it's a beautiful day, and then suddenly it's windy, and then suddenly it's windy and cold, and then suddenly it's windy, cold, and cloudy, and then it's suddenly windy, cold, and cloudy, and lightning. Um, so we're both thinking along the same way, but the thought that I was having was something along the lines of, the tide's been coming in for so long, 10 plus years, 10 plus years. At some point in time, the money has to kind of like say, I'm shifting it somewhere else. Like, it's like it's been too easy of a market to make money in for the last 10 years. If you're in, you've probably made money, even if you've picked bad ideas. Um, I'm not sure we're there, but there's some sort of commentary along those lines. It is worthy of note that... Since Tesla announced that they were going to buy Bitcoin, Bitcoin has dropped beneath it. Let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin with you right now. China is a big story today. And they're talking about, we're not going to, you know, it's not going to be a currency. I've heard South Korea similarly say something in the United States saying, we're going to figure that out later. What's your thoughts on Bitcoin? Because so far it's been cool to follow Elon Musk and others in the industry. Some people are putting too many bets on it, like you said, I love that. General de-risking in markets. Um, do you have any thoughts on Bitcoin? Like, I'm sure your kids might know it better than you, like my kids probably do. But mm -hmm. it's and they're fascinated by it. Anyone who's under 30 is fascinated by it because it's kind of a we don't like Biden, we don't like America, we don't like the taxes. It's kind of a a rebel thing, yeah. so to speak. Right. Sure. There's a great there's a great narrative around it. Right. And um, and I guess. The extent to which I can comment on Bitcoin is, is simply that, you know, it has turned into an asset class. Um, uh -huh. You know, it's it's read, readily tradable, and you know, you're seeing major institutions uh, here in the United States, anyway, enable that. Um, and uh, but you know, it, it it's it's still uh, kind of yet. It's got a lot of ways to go <laughs> to prove itself as as a uh, as a currency. Uh, and I know that there are, are you know, uh, proponents who would certainly say that it's very much currency and it's just going to continue to become more ingrained in, um, in the payment system. But, you know, um, I, I had to remind a younger employee today who uh, was, you know, kind of, uh, not say freaking out, but <laughs> was saying, I don't know, I, I don't get what's going on with, you know, crypto and, and the and I said, well, welcome to, you know, the dot-com bust days, right? You know, right. it's like uh, there was a speculative mania then, and you see things like we saw today, where you see 40 50% haircuts in, in a single session, and then followed by a 20% rebound, you know, in a matter of minutes. I mean, it's just kind of lunacy. Um, and, uh, you know, but I told, you know, my my real message was like, there's there's something inherently flawed in any asset that can go down 40% in you know an hour's time right? right and um and i think that that's you know it's still obviously getting uh you know its feet wet uh as an asset class and uh 
But I think today's action certainly demonstrates that it's still a long way from getting to the point where you can count on it as a, as a currency when, you know, when you lose that much value in such a short amount of time. We only have about a minute and a half left. What ideas do you want to push out that may not have to do with cryptocurrency and a market correction, mm-hmm. i.e. the headlines? Right. Yeah. Well, I think the uh, point you touched on a little bit earlier, Rob, you know, just in terms of kind of like sort of the, the changing dynamic where things have been so easy uh, over the last 10 years. And, and, and in that sense, you know, you could just paint everything with a broad uh, uh, brushstroke. It didn't matter, you know, what basket you were in. It probably did well. But I think we are transitioning now, um, as you rightfully allude to, to, to more of that stock pickers market where you need to be more discerning about the stocks that you're buying and the underlying fundamentals driving those those stock prices. And so I think we're, we're getting to a point here where we're seeing a maturing of this bull market in that uh, we've seen these high growth stocks get really hit really hard and that there's a newfound appreciation for higher quality um, uh, names. And, uh, and that's not unusual as the bull market matures. And I think that that's, that's something that we're hitting an inflection point in that respect uh, pretty much now, I think. Thanks for joining us. We t- truly appreciate it. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of both international and domestic news. Sometimes I have to get my thoughts out and see if, what he thinks, but I need to let him have the microphone a little bit more because that was too much Bitcoin. But I know it's on everyone's mind. You can find out more about the markets at Briefing.com. That's Briefing.com. And Patrick O'Hare writes a great daily commentary. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. General de-risking in the markets, higher tax rates, higher inflation, higher interest rates, all considered headwinds for the market. Bitcoin fell as much as 31% today, down 40% for the week, down 50% for the year. Dogecoin fell 43%, 43% in one day. And every now and then you look up at your CNBC screen and you're like, Dogecoin investor worth $2 million. And it's it's typically like this guy who looks like he works in a meat processing factory. Nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't look like he's got $2 million hanging around. He's not going to sell until, well, probably should have sold. Target sales jumped 23% as exclusive brands curbside pickup are drawing shoppers in. That's kind of a nice little headline. Not enough to totally warm up to as a story, but Southwest said something interesting this morning. Southwest says leisure bookings are continuing to recover as COVID pandemic threats in the U.S. wane. So I, I, I hope you're seeing this, and I hope I'm not being too negative. You kind of have that two-handed problem. On one hand, we're opening up our economy. On the other hand, you've got India. Crazy amount of death due to COVID. On the other hand, we're dropping the masks. But on that bad hand, again, it's higher inflation. Higher inflation tends to cause from consumption. Consumption tends to be a situation where people feel confident. So inflation, in theory, is a good thing, but only if it's moderate. It's kind of like that cookie. You know what? That little thin, wafer-thin biscuit dry thing that's just tasteless. You want the perfect chocolate chip cookie. 
You don't want like the biscotti. And you also don't want the big, thick, triple chunk chocolate chip cookie. Because you're going to feel like you're going into diabetic shock the moment you put it in your mouth. Same thing with inflation. You want a little bit of inflation because it, it's kind of proof of concept the economy is working. So we're all freaked out about higher inflation when we should be a little bit excited that there's higher inflation and a little bit worried that it gets out of control. Southwest says leisure airfare is near pre-pandemic levels, but they also said rising jet fuel prices are going to be a problem. The low-cost airline expects to trim its cash burn to one to two, three million this quarter, from six million in April. Southwest says it's facing higher than expected jet fuel air costs. Jet fuel costs. They said June revenue will be down 20 to 25% compared to the same month of 2019. An improvement this month when it expects sales to be off as much as 40% from two years ago. So they're using the comparison that's totally righteous. 2019, and they're still saying we're 20% below that, but last month we were 40% below that. So we're moving in the right direction. I think Southwest is an important one. I'm not sure Southwest represents a lot of business travel in my mind. It does between cities like LA and San Francisco for sure. But to me, Southwest is like, honey, let's go to Phoenix this weekend. Sit in the sunshine. Cook the COVID off our skin with 90 degree heat. To me, that sounds like vacation. When we're on vacation, like I've never been to Phoenix. Do they have food here? Oh, they've got very good Southwest, Tex-Mex, something like that, right? So you go out and enjoy the economy. I want to take a look at the numbers one more time because this is an hour that's wrapping up. And I still feel the trend is we're moving towards show me the money, which means we could be in for a little bit of a summer of blah or a summer of discontent. I think we need to be proven the validation that inflation is going to be a little bit, but not a lot. And until that happens, there's a little bit of de-risking. I think it looks intelligent that money is going from Bitcoin to gold. That to me says the old-fashioned way still works. No disrespect to the people who are under 35 who are in the markets for the first time ever. But the last time I felt sweat like I'm seeing out there today in Bitcoin was probably 2000, 2002, where people are like, are tech stocks ever going to stop falling? Now, that happened over a two to three year period. This has happened over a two to three week period, and I'll say that's kind of a 21st century thing. But it doesn't feel comfortable. And China used to be a big player in Bitcoin trading. Not so much anymore because they cracked down on it. South Korea has talked about cracking down on it. The United States has kind of been mum about cracking down on digital currency. We don't really know, but like my guest just said, whether we like it or not, Bitcoin's become a currency. It's become an asset class. It has some sort of cash tied towards it. Even though it kind of wants to replace cash, it's still seen as people are sinking money into it. I still own no Bitcoin. I'm not attracted to Bitcoin. I'll find other ways of accumulating wealth. And managing wealth. If you wanted to own 1% to 5% in Bitcoin, you could see why. Because it can go down 40%, 50% from its recent highs. 
And if that's too much for you, step aside. I'm sure someone will take your Bitcoin off your hands. Movie going experience must evolve, so says the CEO of Tribeca Enterprises. Summer blockbuster season has arrived just in time for beleaguered movie theaters as widespread vaccination and relaxed restrictions on indoor gatherings allow audiences to return for the anticipated releases like F9, A Quiet Place Part 2, the next James Bond film. It's a time to die. So what I like about that angle, it's CEO saying the industry needs to evolve. It needs to get a little bit more 21st century. Last summer, movies earned a whopping $176 million which was a 96% drop from the year before. That's an industry that cannot survive on that kind of feed and famine. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening.